Hello listeners, and welcome to Spectres, a podcast about producing music while haunted by ghosts. With a backdrop of evolving otherworldly soundscapes, I'm your host Alex, aka Holy57, and today we'll be haunted by the ghosts in our homes. I chose this theme for this episode because I'm interested in the idea that ghosts can be attached to particular places or objects um, and spaces and that's something we'll be talking about in today's episode and, and we'll dig into what that might mean for the creative process and for music production in particular. And I thought about this theme a lot when writing and finishing um, a song that is on my recent mini-album Why, the third song on that called The Big Sleep. Because when I was writing that song, lyrically I was reflecting on my ancestors' experiences migrating to the UK. Um, On the one hand, my um, Indian grandmother who came from India via Kenya, and then also my Greek grandmother. And that song is partly about them um, growing old and passing away. Uh, But that also got me thinking about the fact that people, you know, begin their lives in one place and they move and they develop their lives in other places and maybe end their lives in other places. And yet they can bring certain memories and, and ghosts per se with them. They can also find ghosts in new places and new spaces. And so contemplating that theme of migration got me thinking about the fact that Ghosts are often associated with particular places or objects, um, particularly in popular media and movies and so on. Um, You might have like a haunted doll or a haunted house. And I thought, well, there's something really interesting to explore here about space and ghostliness. And so that's why I chose uh, the theme of the ghosts in our homes for this episode. And what I mean by that is the ghosts in the spaces that we live in, that we interact in, um, that we move through on a daily basis. And I start to think, well, why do we develop these attachments? Um, Ghosts are seen as attached to these places and objects. Where do those attachments come from? And how do they shape the experience of living in a particular space, of interacting with a particular object? And there's a lot to explore there when it comes to the creative process because when you're creating, you're constantly working with with objects, you're working in particular spaces. I remember um, there was a few years ago the electronic jazz artist Floating Points um, recorded an album in the desert outside um, and that was sort of, that brought a particular feeling to that recording. It brought the the atmosphere, the, the space of being in a desert to that recording. Often classical music is recorded in a very different space to, you know, garage rock music. And the the fact that we use the term garage rock to describe a genre is so interesting because it's literally referring to the space in which that music is created or is seen to be created or sounds like it's been created in. And so in the spirit of this theme, I invited onto the podcast for this episode a music producer who really works with the space that he's in and whose music I think often for me is characterized by the spaces and the objects that he's using and placing around him when he's creating. And this producer is Tarek Musa, who's had many forays into what you might call garage rock under his pseudonym Dead Nature and in his previous band Sprinking. 
but is also somebody who's produced a whole host of different acts and is incredibly talented. So I'm very excited to have him on the show today. I should add that I actually recorded this conversation with Tarek uh, probably about six months ago now. Uh, this was in September, October 2020. But with uh, the second lockdown in the UK, uh, I sort of stepped back from my music for a little bit uh, for some much needed sort of mental health rest recuperation, which I think many people have been doing at this time. I love creating and producing music and these podcasts, but I think during a lockdown, that sort of repetitive nature of life actually made it more challenging to pursue some of these activities despite the feeling that we had and I say this in inverted commas more time on our hands so that's why there hasn't been any new podcast episodes for the last few months I've actually had a couple of them recorded for some time but I've just been taking um, that time out to to recuperate and look after myself during this pandemic um, as I'm sure many of you have been too and um, I hope you've been able to do too. But what makes this exciting is that when I recorded this conversation with Tarek he couldn't yet uh, give away too many details about his new releases but now I can say that uh, he he has a, a new single out called Hurricane. It's a, it's a great song under his name, Dead Nature. Um, I highly recommend you listen to that. Um, and he's actually uh, announced recently a f- his for- forthcoming debut album as Dead Nature, which you can now pre-order. And that's called Watch Me Break Apart. And it's out on June 25th. And I'm really looking forward to that. I think Hurricane is, is a great song. It's a great sort of anthem. I can definitely hear his uh, Arcade Fire influence in that. And it's just really great hearing that song after the conversation we've, we had in this episode and imagining how some of the things he talks about uh, in our conversation shaped his creative process while making it. Tarek is an amazing producer with a huge list of credits uh, to his name from Kagul, Flight, The Big Moon, Calva Louise, uh, Dream Nails. So I'm just really excited to have him on the show today as well because he's got such a unique uh, voice and style and that really came through in his early work uh, as Spring King, a project he was just starting when I met him um, and he went on to release two great albums with Spring King uh, over the 2010s. Uh, They're definitely recommended for fans of sort of indie rock and garage rock. And now he performs under the name Dead Nature where I feel like he's refining and perfecting that sound even further. So I'm really uh, thankful for you coming on the show today, Tarek. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Alex. Thank you very much. And I'm really excited to hear your interpretation of what ghostliness means for music production because you're somebody who I encountered when I was in a band before Holy 57 and uh, I worked with you on a couple of tracks in that band and since then I think your style and your approach to things has has really stuck with me. Um, So when I first met Tarek he was uh, starting sprinking and I always remember that he had this approach of was it recording, mixing, and mastering a song in like a day? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Well, you know, I I went to uni and did a sound technology course, so I was always uh, I always pocketed myself in that kind of you know 
studio world um but i could never really write songs so a really big thing for me was i guess not a sense of regret but i really felt like oh i should have learned how to write music as well um so the summer i graduated i decided well the best way to write is to just compose every single day so i had a rule where i would write record mix produce you know master in inverted commas a track and um, do it all in a day and if it wasn't complete by midnight i would delete it Um, (laughs) and that really taught me very quickly you know how to tell you know for for one thing is like when you're starting a song you if you don't get that feeling instantly for me personally if i don't if i don't feel like yeah this is exciting straight away within the first five minutes then you know i just move on um, yeah and that's something i learned from that era where i was like oh well you've only got till midnight so you better make this count this song has yeah. to sound good so you know I, I think i wrote that summer maybe 65 tracks which sadly like i actually lost on a hard drive many years later a lot of them ended up on the sprinking album um, yeah and you know i had them i had the stems at that time to then you know thicken them out um for the re- for the re- proper release later on yeah but, yeah um everything was based off the original stems from the demo i call them demos but um yeah sure because you know nowadays i'm recording in higher qualities and you know it, not that it even matters really it's just how it's funny because i'm capturing at higher qualities but the things i'm capturing are still distorted and you know <laughs> completely manipulated in every single way yeah um, so it kind of beats the whole point of like recording at 48k or 96 or whatever <laughs> um, but yeah so yeah that's um i think yeah you'd be right to say i was writing recording and producing in a day yeah it was great how did you find that that approach shaped what came out like in terms of the sound because something that already that links to these ideas of ghostiness is that there's like an expiry date on a song like you know it's gonna like it's like the song will die at midnight if i don't get it done (laughs) (laughs) and and if it doesn't get completed by then that song is a ghost and it is lost to the ages it is it's completely lost it's in the recycle bin and i emptied the trash and i (laughs) you know and I, I was really brutal about it. Um, I actually have a really big problem where I delete everything. Yeah. Um, so if you've texted me today and we've agreed on something and it's done, I delete that conversation because my mind can't function properly when it has lots of tabs open. Yeah. And I mean like physical tabs and tabs with friends and you know on you know online tabs of course like yeah my mind just can't focus so i have to delete everything um to be able to move on because otherwise i'm scrambling through and i'm trying to find that idea or i'm trying to find that message or you know and it's got me in a lot of trouble sometimes <laughs> where I, I said i'll meet somebody on a sunday at 6 p.m and then sunday comes and i'm like oh i completely forgot because i deleted it you yeah know? Um, but musically it really kind of um, made me like it really uh, fine-tuned my folders down so like I knew exactly what 
was good and if it wasn't good it was deleted you know yeah there was there was no bad to me like there was it was gone yeah um, I, I don't know if that's a good thing i don't know if like there's probably a psychologist out there who can figure that one out but um <laughs> you know to me it's it's yeah it's just it's a habit i now have um, yeah and it's the same when i record artists um whenever i record an artist i tend to delete all the old takes once we've committed i'm I, I really like to commit to things very quickly yeah. and um once an artist says yeah i love that vocal take that's the comp that's the final vocal bounce it down that's it i delete the rest and sometimes i get in situations where the band are like hey maybe we can go back to like you know that old take but i have to say i'm sorry you know i don't have any more but for the most part it fills people with this sense of kind of like uh, confidence and like yes this is the way we're moving let's yeah. go with this and yeah it might not be you might like reminisce over like something we recorded yesterday but we're moving like mm. for me music has in a way like recording music has a sell-by date in my mind that like, i get bored very quickly mm. um so i have to get it complete within you know a couple days yeah yeah so even these days you know i'm working in like much better recording facilities and you know sometimes the bands have really good budgets so we go into like big studios but it's still the same mentality of let's commit to something and let's get rid of the rest yeah otherwise we're all going to be staring at this like a painting in an art gallery you know we're just going to be umming and ahhing over how beautiful it could have been or what it should be or what it was you know like you know let's just commit um, yeah yeah so yeah th there there is definitely like a ghostliness about um the fact it dies at midnight and then it like it just doesn't exist you know and it all it is is this memory it's like i swear i've heard that melody somewhere <laughs> it's like i swear i saw that ghost you know oh yeah are you sure you heard that are you sure you wrote that melody yeah, like, yeah i wrote that a month ago mm, you know yeah. there is sometimes a sense of like oh god you know i did write that and i wish i had that but it just becomes like this kind of mm. thing that when you tell people oh, i wrote this song and they're like yeah right you know <laughs> it, can, it can come to that sometimes like you know when you see a ghost and someone doesn't believe it um i don't know if i believe in ghosts i really yeah. don't yeah um sometimes i do sometimes i don't <laughs> for the purposes of this podcast that's actually completely fine i think for me what i find so interesting is is it as as a concept like even me myself like you i don't know if i believe in ghosts in that like traditional sense but i no. but i think you can be in, our, in the last episode we we focused on the theme of memory mm. and the idea of like being haunted by memories and and that kind of and then kind of ghostliness then like starts to open up these conversations and these ways of thinking about things yeah. um that i i find really interesting when it comes to creativity and the arts i mean a lot of my favorite pieces of music and or pieces of art and films tend to be have tend to have links to like themes of ghostiness in some way or another yeah yeah um, i think um for me you know that kind of thing of being haunted by memories is an interesting one maybe that's you know like my my i'm definitely not haunted by anything but you know i had quite an interesting upbringing yeah um so I, I do find myself having these weird relationships with memories um, where like, uh, you know, I, I, I do try to forget about certain things and try to highlight and remember other things. And I, yeah. I think that does translate into the way I see music as well. It's like 
highlight the good songs and get rid of the you know or like be at peace with getting rid of the bad songs and not just mm. having it on a hard drive somewhere for me i yeah. hate opening up a hard drive and seeing loads of unfinished ideas like there's a reason they're unfinished you know they weren't yeah. you know you didn't connect with them then and maybe you will connect with them in the future and maybe you will open it up you know five ten years later and go wow that's actually cool and that fits where i'm at now um, yeah but i kind of i don't think i've ever given myself that opportunity like mm. in a way i don't, I don't know that's um, really interesting because i think I'm quite different to that in that I, I will come up with ideas and I find like I don't really feel I may not feel attached to that meaning of the idea at that time mm. and then I'll return to it um, at another time and suddenly the context starts to make sense and it and, it, and it's almost yeah. like I start I, it sounds weird I, I, almost like I have a conversation with the idea in fact the song for this episode is is one that um that sort of happened because i wrote it ages ago i think in 2012 originally and i didn't use the song i couldn't really ever find a place for it and then while kind of um planning and sort of trying to figure out the meaning of like the, the album i was working on now i returned to this song and i kind of listened to some of the ideas and some of them really spoke to me and kind of spoke to some of the themes that I wanted to focus on. Yeah. Um, and that's and that then kind of made I felt like oh I'm actually find a place for this now. So it's inter- it's really interesting to hear those two those approaches. And actually, when you were speaking about um, you know the idea of like not wanting to focus too much on like you know all the different takes and you know not yeah. being too meticulous you may not remember this but I, I I think when I first worked with you I was so I was fairly inexperienced and I think I was <laughs> <laughs> I was completely guilty of being like if I think back then I think when we were mixing I was, I was really indecisive about like what what I wanted with the song mm. and I think it's something you learn as you kind of mature as a, a producer or a writer you kind of get um, more attached to what the song becomes in the moment yeah. rather than these ideas you have of what of it could it. be yeah 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 I think I think uh, there's definitely a element of that within everyone where it's like the, I know what this could be but what's best for the song is what it is and you know using the self-propelling motion of the song in its current form yeah yeah to like push itself forward instead of like putting the brakes on to try and make it something else like yeah uh for me it's it's like the song always has to keep moving and it's quite um interesting how um overthinking something and you know yeah over tweaking something can really push it in i don't know in a a boring place sometimes yeah Um, it's quite still yeah and i think that speaks to that approach of not being afraid to sort of to let something die um, yeah. and kind of let something become a ghost uh, when you're when you're creating that actually producing something that's more um, in the moment that's more honest perhaps that's less labored yeah. Uh, yeah that's really interesting I mean so I guess for a question I want to ask as well is when I first mentioned this idea of kind of ghostliness in producing music did you have any things that jumped to mind in terms of what that would mean to you when creating music i guess i work alone a lot Um, yeah so what i do as a producer and a mixer like 
you spend a lot of time, like this very hyper amount of time with the client or artist or anyone involved in the project and then they go. Yeah. And then you're on your own for like 60% of the rest of it. You know, like I'd say like 40% is with the band there and then the rest is like you on your own, like tweaking and adding layers. And yeah, it, it can be quite like a a weird process because it's so lifeless um, yeah. in terms of like the energy in the room um, because it's just you um, yeah but I think that instantly hit me when when you first contacted me I was like you know sometimes my room when I've got the lights down it just feels quite like but then what's coming out the speakers is the total opposite it's like yeah I think other things that kind of like your email sparked like a visual reference was the fact like in my studio things turn on yeah and they they only stay on for a little while for as long as they're needed and then i put them off and it's a very simple thing to say but the actual like the 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 silence of when you when the lights go off on like the valve compressor I've, I, I was using for a bit or sometimes my space echo so that it, I've got an original uh, space echo with the tape inside oh it's and, sick I think I remember that yeah yeah and yeah. sometimes when you put the tape machine off like it switches off and then five minutes later for some reason you just hear like it's like a mouse like a mouse squeaking and it's the tape <laughs> The tape is like, I don't know, maybe like the heat is cooled or the air is cooled and then you just hear the tape go, and that's it. And it's it's completely off, you know, like I'm like, whoa, you know, that's, so like when, yeah, when you first contacted me, I had this like visual, it instantly gave me this visual kind of reference of my studio in those times where, you know, things are used and then they're completely not used for like days after that. And it mm. feels like it's done its job and it's moved on. Um, you know, especially when you're recording through compressors and outboard gear and then you go into the digital world and then all of a sudden all these physical things in my studio just don't get used for the next part yeah. of the process. It's like their job is done and like the drums aren't being used because that's right at the beginning of the process. The guitars aren't used because the guitarist has left and he's done his parts or she's done his parts, she's done parts. It's like the whole thing, um, it's, it's all in stages and every part of the studio has a place in that mm. process. Um, yeah. And because of the way I mix, I mix completely in the box, more or less. Um, it's like, I know that I won't be using those outboard units as much for that process at yeah. all, if, if at all. Um, so it's, it's, it's quite interesting in that way, like everything like is, is born it's switched on it's used and it feels alive and then it goes to sleep um, yeah until the next yeah. band comes in um so i don't know yeah that that, that kind of like was my instant reaction um, yeah that's really interesting to hear and i mean for those i mean many of people listening are already quite familiar with uh, music production but people who um this is new to what is interesting as well here is like this comparison between what's in the digital um, what what you kind of use to mix when you're you know using your programs digitally, and the actual outboard equipment of which Tarek has quite a lot, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah. And that was something I was going to ask as well because you mentioned your space echo. I noticed you get quite a lot of old pieces of equipment that sort of you breathe new life into. 
Um, I did, back in the day, didn't you also have like an old Farfisa organ as well? I, that... I, I have a couple organs and one of them yeah. was given to me by my next door neighbor who at the time was about 70. And yeah. he had it from his father who had just passed away. And his father was an organ player in like a local church choir. And he said, you know, I'd rather this went to a good home. So, yeah, I had like, and I still use that organ today. Like to this day, I still use it to write songs and record certain parts in. And that was over 10 years ago I got that organ. Um, Maybe more, actually, probably like 14 years, 15. Um, But like, it's it's really special because it comes from somebody. It's not just a brand new piece of gear. and that's the same with a lot like i have this yamaha keyboard as well this synthesizer oh, yeah i should if i knew the 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 model number it's a really cool synth actually um but it's like a yamaha it's like uh, i would i would describe it as like a a, a child's first synthesizer like yeah. it's really cheap but it has some really cool um i guess parameters on it and I went up, when I went to pick that up, I bought it for twenty pounds in Manchester, and I went to pick it up, and there was this guy in this old house, and he had these kids who had obviously grown out of using it, um, and he had bought it from a car boot sale, so it was already old as it was, and he was like, "Yeah, my kids have been using it," and it had like stickers on each note to tell tell yeah. the kids what note was which, and you know, as weird, I don't know, I. I that that synth whenever i play it or switch it on i think of his family i think of like the house i picked it up from with like the wooden floors at the entranceway and like he was like his house was a bit messy like children's shoes and bicycles everywhere um i've always picked up stuff in kind of bad condition and Mm. always got it re-maintained like my, my uncle um my uncle used to live in sierra leone uh, in West Africa and mm. he had a really nice Fender amp that yeah. he bought in the 80s and it was shipped out there wow. and um, he sent it to me recently because he didn't want it to just get really old out there because he wasn't using it and the heat was really messing with it and yeah. um, when he sent it over like it was covered in dust like I mean like you know like like sand <laughs> you know it was <laughs> It had like cobwebs in the back, and it it had been on this journey, you know. This yeah. like, I don't know how many thousands of miles that is, but it had been on this huge journey. And he sent it to me, and he was like, "Please, you know, bring this back to life." You know, he actually said that he was like, "Please, just get this thing working again, and I hope you can find some use for it." And it's um, it's not like a very famous Fender amp. I think it's called like the Fender 80, and okay, yeah. it's like from the 80s. And it sounds amazing, but when I took it to the uh, this guy Roland Lumby, who maintains amplifiers yeah. in Manchester, um, he was just like, "Where did you find this? I've never seen one of these in my life." And it had so many problems, and like the grill was cracking, and like, the <laughs> wheels were broken. And he said he'd never seen so much dust and sand <laughs> because my uncle would play the, the you know play guitar sometimes at, like uh, by the beach. You know, yeah. like sometimes there was like restaurants by the beach and he would play with a band or, um, you know, some, they do these outdoor events and um, yeah, so it, it had been on a journey and yeah, I got it up to, got it up to scratch and it's one of my most used, you know, 
pieces yeah. in the studio as well. So it got me thinking about the the theme of this week, which is this idea of um, ghosts in our homes, and part of that is because the song related to this episode is the Big Sleep, which is the third track on on the album, um, and that song is sort of like it's a bit of a tale about migration and my my grandmother's migration to the UK um, in the context of like the, the narrative of the album and the reason I wanted to focus on ghosts in our homes in relation to um, that and a story of migration which maybe seems a bit counterintuitive because you know like the, the idea of migration being like moving from one place to another um, is firstly like the idea of your home being the home is what you make it and sometimes yeah. those homes are the objects and the things that you bring with you the memories that you bring with you um, and in the case of I guess the, these objects you're talking about the, the organ um, and this guitar amp it kind of it, it makes me think that you know these these objects kind of they get imbued with a certain feeling and they kind of mm. evoke something in you when you use them yeah um, and that shapes your creative process moving forward yeah um, has, has that happened with this guitar at all does it oh yeah 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 you're completely right on this um so with the amp for instance like my uncle used to play a lot of like um i wouldn't call it afrobeat but it's like calypso-y yeah um like uh, quite like high up guitar stuff so like whenever I pick up that amp like I can still see like um, bits of uh, sand and dust yeah. in the grill <laughs> and you know obviously like I, I spent quite a few years of my life uh, living in the Gambia yeah um, so like I, I can I grew up around like a lot of reggae and a lot of like um, I guess even though for me Afrobeat was like from Nigeria there was a lot of guys playing that in Gambia mm. you know yeah. and it was very popular um, as a sound um, so yeah like I whenever I pick up that I always go high up on the neck on the guitar yeah, yeah. like I'm never playing riffs I'm never playing anything heavy through it it's always quite like gentle and very groovy and very like soulful kind of um, licks and stuff um, mm. So, yeah, and then whenever I pick up the organ, it's, you know, I go straight to the church sound. There's yeah. 10 sounds in it, and one of them's church organ. And I always, like, my favorite sound on that organ is the church organ, weirdly, because he was in a church choir as the organist. Okay, yeah. Um, but it wasn't because of that. It's just I love that sound, and it reminds me of Arcade Fire. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. I, can just see, I can just see Wynn Butler writing on an organ like that and it just sounds like their song, I think, uh, Intervention, Intervention or Waiting for yeah. Intervention, yeah. So, so whenever I pick up the organ, I go straight to the church sound, which is that guy, the, my next door neighbor's father's sound, you know, like, or where he comes from, the church, and that's where yeah. he played the organ. And I pick up the guitar, it's the same. And whenever I pick up my space echo, I go straight for this kind of... I don't know, like um, contacting someone in space. You know, like you can, you can <laughs> yeah. hear like that the, those seventies movies, like sci-fi movies about, you know, like maybe like a B movie or something. Yeah, and, yeah. And you know, like there's all these like really cheap echoes and really, <laughs> I, I don't, I definitely don't use it in a Brian Eno way. Yeah, like yeah. it's not, it's not about texture for me. It's about like, it's really in your face and it's really peaking and distorting and yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I have no idea who the previous owner was of that Space Echo, but that's what I that's what I go for. Um, so yeah, it's 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 like uh, even if I haven't even I, even if I didn't come from that nostalgic moment, I still want that nostalgic feeling or like mm. to imagine what my uncle would have felt like playing the guitar in Sierra Leone or you know playing these really somber church chords a lot of like minor stuff um mm. i tend to go for on the organ so yeah it's it's a strange one well one of the other things that this has also got me thinking about and this is another aspect i think of like the ghost in the home or ghosts in our homes i think traditionally like the haunted house the haunted home it's such a like a trope in like horror movies and so mm. on on a more sort of like corny idea i suppose of ghosts but i don't know i think with the idea of ghosts haunting a particular place then to my mind what starts becoming really important is the the space itself and the space within which you work that how the layout of that place that is being haunted affects the way that maybe you operate where things are i mean this is i mean kind of ghostly did you see parasite the movie parasite yes yeah Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love that film and one of the really interesting things about that film is the focus on the spaces um, yeah. and the idea that these like people are like haunting this space because they are like you know they're people who are rendered invisible because they're poor and so on and then yeah. that, obviously that subverts a bit later in the film but um, but to me it's like you know where the way that the house is laid out where the like angles of the walls are and the way that you move through that space is mm. important is important and it also makes me think of um what's uh, which david lynch film is it i think it's lost highway i don't know if you ever saw that film no but there's no. it's a really creepy movie but it's there's a couple of scenes where it's like there there is a house that's i guess for lack of a better word being haunted but it's not really haunted in the traditional sense but a lot of the film is like moving through these spaces and it's got this very ominous music in the background and you can tell that they've thought about the space down to a t and the angles you know by which the camera's going to move through the space um, and how much of the room is going to be revealed and that all contributes to a feeling and i think that happens with you know the creative process as well but the spaces that we're in the homes that we live in you know they kind of like filter into what you create and what you do and oh yeah so even today you're saying you've got your like home studio uh set up in front of you but you've also got these other studios that you go to work with work in so i'd be really interested to hear how you feel you know the spaces sort of filter into the process yeah well my old home you know basically the house that we recorded in a long time ago uh, me and you um, it's no yeah. more it actually got demolished oh, oh yeah. no so sad I love yeah. that was a great place it was an amazing house um, and that house was like built in the 1900s um, maybe like 1910 some point around then before the first world war and um, yeah. basically it needed so much work doing to it that it ended up being bought and demolished by someone else. I'm sorry, that, that must have been quite t- tough. I mean, I think you, know, you get quite attached to houses. Places. Yeah, it, it, it was it was definitely like an emotional experience. And I remember being like, because obviously I lived in that house for maybe 10 years, maybe yeah. more. 
and I had like a very interesting upbringing in that house. You know, my parents were in and out of that house a lot, and you know, I was living with my grandma for a lot, and you know, there was a lot of things going on in my family, which meant that house was a huge anchor、mm. for me.、Um, so I remember when we moved out of that house, I was actually on tour. And I had to come home for like two or three days and pack all my、yeah. boxes and then go back on tour again. So I didn't really get to say bye before it was demolished. And、um, when I used to write in that house, it was such a. It only ever gave me like dark songs. Really, you know,、yeah. really like.、Um, I think because the house was so old and there was a lot of times where it was very quiet and it would be just you know maybe it would be just me. Yeah. Or it would be me and my grandma, or me and my mother. You know, like it was never like a, it was never like a, a bustling place.、Mm. That's for sure.、Um, so the music that used to come out that I would compose would always have been quite reflective of that in a way.、Um, so a lot of the early sprinking stuff, as fast as it was, was like based on quite like a. A moody place, you know, yeah, in a、yeah. way, you know, like a surreal situation, let's say.、Um, so, yeah, so like you know, when that house went, I had to like re rewrite the way like I saw sounds、mm. in a way. So like the the place that、uh, my my parents moved into after that was like really modern、yeah. and like a new build on like an you know like a normal middle class estate、yeah. kind of thing. And it gave me no energy whatsoever. <laughs>、um, yeah. So I only stayed there for like maybe a month or two, and then I moved to Liverpool, basically.、Yeah. Um, and Liverpool, I've had to create my own space. So I've got a studio space here, which I've like kind of created to to mimic that first place, that first house.、Yeah. Uh, you know, the lights are always like lowly lit because the lights in our house never fully. Well, they were, they, I don't know. There's something wrong with the electricity, <laughs> so it never、yeah. fully worked, and it was filled with like old, dated furniture. So I've kind of, I've got a bit of that mood going on in my new place. Yeah, that's what I'm comfortable with. I've never actually thought about it until now, like literally right now. Like my current studio is like kind of like a bit of a copy of that first house,、um, and it's just because that's where I felt comfortable writing. So what's coming out of me now is. Kind of similar to what was I was writing back then, which was like my favorite time to be composing.、Mm. Um, so I do agree. I think like places and spaces have a real energy about them, and、um, you know I've done I've been to residential recording studios where you know you stay for a couple of weeks, and they always give you very different experiences,、mm. and none of them have ever matched my first ever house、yeah. that I lived in growing up as a teenager in this country. Um, nothing has ever matched that. Everything else has kind of felt a bit sterile or a bit writing for the sake of writing because you have to.、Um. Our conversation was so great that we ended up talking for so long,、uh, so much so that it wouldn't fit on a podcast. So I'm now cutting to a point in the conversation where we started talking about the impacts of the pandemic on the music industry. And sadly, like the whole you know music industry has like、yeah. kind of been forced to slow down,、yeah. especially the live industry,、um, which is a real shame because you know for me, like the best moments in my life have always been soundtracked by music. Yeah. You know, whether it's like you know, I think of some some of the funerals I've been to or weddings、yeah. or you know、um, 
me, me and my girlfriend, you know, we both loved Arcade Fire, and that was something that connected us. Yeah. Um, and we'd go and watch them. We watched them like three or four times, and you know, Brian Wilson. Like I loved the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson. I, I saw him play like four times, and there was one time I saw him. And it was just before my dad was going in for a triple bypass. Oh my you goodness, know? yeah. So it's like, I connect to music. They, they soundtrack my life yeah. in so many ways. Um, all these live shows and events. And, you know, I, I actually remember seeing Cirque du Soleil when I was a young, when I was a kid. And it was like, it's a really like vivid memory of mm. mine. Um, so to see such a lack of respect placed yeah. on the live industry has been, it's been quite sad really. Yeah. Um, but there, yeah, there's definitely, definitely an element, you know, on a on a grander scheme, of like, ghostliness in the music industry as well. Mm. It's not just in the music or in the gear; it's in the industry right now. Yeah. And so now we've got to the part of the episode where we listen to the ghosted song on this theme, which is the ghost of the big sleep, the instrumental of which has been playing in the background the last few minutes. So Tarek and I will listen to this piece I've made with you and we'll use it to talk about what the ghost of a song actually could sound like. What is ghostly audio? So here is my ghosted version of The Big Sleep. They build the Bombay to the Delhi Railway, BBNCI Railway was called. And then of course when India got independent, it became Western Railways, Southern Railways, Eastern Railways. Sweeter, fire touch. Fire touch. 
what I liked about it is the vocal didn't come in for a while on it. And it was like, you were, you were, the only time the vocal came in, you were like chopping up parts of like the ooze or the ahs. There was like these melodic moments. Um, and I just, I, I, I really enjoyed the space in it, to be honest. Like I really, I was surprised by how much space you created, you know, in, in, in the second version. Um, That's interesting that space is the first thing that kind of comes out. That was sort of the, the approach I, I tried to take was thinking about the idea of like ghosts haunting a space. Like there are, I suppose there are coordinates in a space. Like, I don't know, what I was doing, I was like, I had this vision of, you know those, what are they called when um, something's sped up really fast? Okay, yeah, like a time lapse. Yeah, the time lapse of somebody building a house, like building a home. And then those like blocks. Oh, cool. As you build a home, those blocks might be sort of emanating certain meanings or you know how there are objects in your home that mean certain things. And so I saw it, I was like, okay, so the space of the home, there's going to be a few instruments. So the bass is going to be hard panned right and the drums are going to be hard panned left. They're like the two walls. Um, Mm. Then you're going to have in in the kind of background is like this weird soft synth sound, but it's quite low, it's more further away. And then in the foreground, the space, you know, these little, like you notice like the weird chopped up vocals. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of quite an easy thing to do in a short period of time, which is why you kind yeah. of gravitate towards it. But that, that was like, okay, these are like little objects in the foreground. This is the furniture. Yeah, the <laughs> furniture. And, and yeah. I also chopped up and obviously used only really small sections of the song as a repeat, yeah. which I think is like sort of part of the whole building block idea. And yeah. then... Well, building blocks tend to be quite uh, consistent in size and shape, don't they? Um, yeah, exactly. You need like a standardized building block, so it, in, they normally just come in like certain sizes. So yeah. it's kind of like you only use certain parts of the vocal, which are like, you know, instead of using loads of variety, um, which you wouldn't get when you're building something. And it's, you know, when it's like the structure, it's the same thing a million times in a way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it was almost like there was like this structure on the outside that was fairly pretty much consistent and then the idea of being like on the inside these weird little like phantasms were appearing so like yeah well, the stuff that was appearing in the middle of the mix was stuff where I'd like eq'd band one you know 1k to 2k or five 500 to 2k and yeah. i was like okay let's just eq that part of the song and then had that sort of appear in the mix for a bit and then like fade away and i liked that because mm. it's almost like Again, it's not the complete whole, it's sort of a band of something that sort of introduces itself and then sort of fades away, which fades away, felt yeah. like a ghost. So it's interesting that the first thing you picked up on was the space because that was entirely the, 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 the inspiration of this one. Yeah, because yeah, it feels like, yeah, like, like you said, like things are coming in and out of perspective so much yeah. in it. But then instead of everything happening at once, everything is having its own moment yeah which i quite liked um so whereas like the original which you know tends to be the case when you when you first compose a song there's a lot going on yeah and a lot of stuff is enforcing or reinforcing other parts isn't it you know like whereas in this it was like no let's just you know strip this back so you know, there's loads of content from the original version which is in there, but it's all getting its own moment instead of playing all at the same time. Yeah. Um, which I found really cool. I, I just instantly was like, wow, this is... Yeah, for me, it just felt completely open straight yeah. away. 
um, which you know is the nature of like especially because you've taken the song from being quite organic in a way mm. um, you know it's it's very like traditionally recorded yeah um, to something very like you know used in as blocks you know in your DAW yeah. like you're probably copying and cutting and looping and sampling yeah and it, you know that's actually something I do a lot with productions I work on um, even with rock bands so uh, you know I will record an organic drum set but I will use it as samples most of the time um, so like ba- drummers aren't really playing like whole three minute takes or three minute 30 takes I'm I'm just getting them to play like you know 16 bars of a chorus and then 16 bars of a verse and yeah. I'm, it's something I've like kind of has become part of my sound in a way even though it doesn't sound electronic like you wouldn't be able to tell in some ways but it it gives me like this consistent structure to mm. my song, especially in the rhythm section. Um, so yeah, I can, I can definitely like kind of, you know, harmonize with what you're saying about your track, which is, you know, using things in loops and creating space by using sections purposefully instead of everything coming together. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, I, I really, yeah. I, I really like the the way you've edited the vocals and the track as well. Um, it just, you know, it, it felt, it just came in right right towards the end, like the last third of the song. It kind of just lifted me. I was like, ooh, okay, yeah, f- yeah, I forgot about that. I forget that. You know, like, I completely forgot the original, like, by the time I'd finished the, the, the ghost version, you know. One of the things that you were just saying that reminded me of... Um remain in light by the talking heads it was back when like you know when you made loops you were actually cutting tape and putting them together right and it's it's a cool um one because it it does when you listen to it feel like a full band playing but it obviously is making really intentional use of these loop sections and stuff yeah i think that's like it's a really missed missed trick in a way especially in rock music these days because you know for me sometimes rock sounds quite dated because the tendency is oh it's rock so let's get all the members in the room together playing live yeah yeah you know and it gives it such a sound it gives it a very you know straight up the middle rock rock sound yeah um so something i always try and encourage artists to do or to try out is like let's work in loops you know let's try and work play your parts play your guitar play the drums as loud as you want you know thrash them the same way use all your distortion pedals but let's work in loops and not necessarily make it obvious that they are loops just um just use the loops in a way that's that um reflects what's going on in electronic music you know Mm, yeah i find electronic music is so exciting and so kind of like endless in what you can do and how you can manipulate it because of the way it sounds you know like in terms of how looped it is and how how much like kind of repetitiveness there is but without even feeling like it's there you know yeah yeah so yeah you know a lot of time when i'm recording drums i'm just like getting the drummer to play the kick and snare and the rack tom and floor tom and then we'll do the cymbals afterwards Mm, uh, because it gives me like a similar um like 
you know starting point like you would if you were making like hip hop drums. Yeah. You know, like the kick, snare, rack, and floor are all separate on the drum machine. Yeah. And you yeah. can manipulate them all separately. And I, I try to do that with rock bands now. And yeah, it's very yeah. extra. It's very you know, over the top, <laughs> but it sounds a different way, and it just feels different to me. Um, so. Uh, I, I was so I was going to ask you what a ghost version of a song might mean to you uh, as a producer. Like, what do you think a ghost of a song would look like or sound like? Um, <laughs> the ghost of a song would be like all the offcuts, like all the things okay, you yeah. edited out all put together. <laughs> so, like, you know, not not full takes, but like the ends of takes and all the bits in between the take. Um, or like at the beginning of a track when everyone's talking or there's like the drummer's getting their headphones on or yeah, yeah. You know, I just <laughs> cut, cut all that silence and then put it on top of each other for three minutes and <laughs> all the moments where like the space echo is like still delaying after the song has ended and it's still just going and yeah. going I would cut that like anything that is outside of the point where someone is performing and you know obviously performing is the yeah. silence as well you know I'm sure a lot of jazz musicians will say you know the silence is the performance yeah, John, uh, John Cage <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um, but to me I would just get all that stuff like all those weird bits of like dud notes and like yeah all the offcuts basically like <laughs> I, I see it like a pastry you know when you're like rolling out like short crust pastry and then you're cutting out your shape and then you've got all this like random leftover bit of pastry that you can't use yeah i would get all of that and i would like put it all together and kind of roll it out again and it would you know all the you'd see all the cracks and lines where all the pieces were like rolled together yeah and that would be like the ghost version of the track and then i would play the whole thing through a spring reverb tank i would just put all that audio through like a stereo spring reverb and put it on full <laughs> and that would be the ghost version there's actually this artist called caretaker i don't know if you ever heard of caretaker i feel like i know the name um, but i don't think i've listened to them either oh yeah i think it would be right up your street it's like classic music i, I don't know how to describe it i don't know i don't know if they compose it if it's a person if it's a you know like if it's two people duo i have no idea but like caretaker makes music that is like it's old songs but just like played and sampled and then put through like really wet spring reverbs like it's really weird like like samples some classical records and like loads of weird stuff and then it's just like put through a spring reverb tank or something i don't know whenever i listen to it that reminds me of like haunted ships okay and like, yeah. you know ships with no passengers on anymore and stuff like it's the weirdest music. I love it though. It's like really cool. Like oh, cool! You can actually listen to it and consume it in a in a way that isn't just you know noise um, to me anyway. Um, yeah. Well, that is a, that was a great answer, and um, I would love to hear that. What it sounds to be like? I might do that one day. Album. <laughs> yeah, just all the offcuts. Yeah. offcuts, man. Yeah, yeah if you ever do, a, please send it to me. I would love to hear in, it. Uh, put them in a big uh, plastic uh, bag, you know, and sell it to Cadbury's to all their outlets. Thank you so much 
for coming on the podcast, Tarek. It's been uh, great to have you and I really enjoyed that conversation and definitely got me thinking in new ways and I, I'm looking forward already to hearing <laughs> one day your your ghost song of the studio. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be in the charts. <laughs> if I get in the top top 200, you know, that, that'd be great. Maybe, maybe, maybe it will be a Christmas single or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you have any things that you're working on at the moment that you want to point people to? I um, I would say check out obviously the new Dream Nails album which I just produced and mm-hmm. there's a few bands coming out in the next few months but it's one of those things where I don't get to say or shout about what I'm working yeah. on until it's out but you know um, I'm just in the middle of like updating a lot of things and you know if you if you hopefully go on my website there should be some good stuff there like I always update with the most recent stuff my Instagram as well and social media Um, but I'm working on lots of dead nature music as well which is my solo project and that's always you know something that ticks along in the background Mm. and hopefully next year I'll be putting out a lot of new material Um, awesome so yeah but thank you so much for having me it's been such a good conversation and obviously really kind of like opened my mind to the way I see my space and the gear and stuff and you know like just reminds me of like the history of everything you know yeah it's, it's really cool really cool so we've come to the end of this episode and I'm going to close it out as always with a listener submission um, where I've taken somebody describing what ghostliness means to them and uh, put some audio to it and manipulated it. So thank you to James for submitting the voice note for this episode. He's provided me with a bio that he'd like me to read out. He's an old friend of mine, so I'm going to uh, honour his wishes. A submission from a ghostly friend of mine. Oh, what a sexy man he is. He is gorgeous. Yum yum. I thought he was hitting his peak a few years ago, but wow, he just gets better with age, like a wine, like a beautiful fine wine. And James, you've summed up my feelings for you very well there. You are a dear old friend to me. In your submission, I liked that you wrote a haiku, um, and I like the humorous aspect of your submission, so I hope you like what I've done with it. I took it in a bit of a different direction. And thank you to everybody listening, and I look forward to being with you for the next episode of Spectres. A white sheet, a white sheet. Perhaps. perhaps, nearly headless Nick, nearly headless Nick. Wonders. wonders, the space, space. In, between. in between, each young a white sheet, perhaps, A white sheet, perhaps a nearly headless nick, wonders, the space.